We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Let's make Vision Zero a reality in D.C. Almost half of D.C.'s traffic fatalities come from impaired driving. These deaths are 100% preventable. Don't let impaired driving ruin your holiday. Always have a plan for a sober ride. Never drive impaired. D.C. police are arresting drunk and drugged drivers. Drive sober or get pulled over. A message from the District Department of Transportation and Metropolitan Police Department. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. Welcome to Rams Talk Radio. This is Derek C. Paul, my co-host tonight, my partner in crime, Mr. Tommy Avance, who also co-hosts Rams Uncensored and basically causes hate and discontent throughout the world with his wonderful wisdom full of Twitter knowledge. That's right. I'm referencing your Twitter interactions of late, but how you doing? I'm good, man. Just trying to spread the good word. There's too much <laughs> negativity in the world, and I'm trying to turn the corner on everyone else. 
thanks to guys like Jim Hawk for pointing out my so-called anger issues. But what I will say is a lot of it's stick. I just like to air air it out on Rams Uncensored because it's a lot of fun to hear me lose my lose my temper on the air. It's just part of Wait. what we do. I call it therapy. <laughs> hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. Jim Hawk, our sponsor, the, this awesome dude who's been been hooking us up for a long time now. So big supporter. Told you you have anger issues. Yeah, he when he uh, jokingly when uh, he sent over the tickets for the game, he said, "I'll give you these tickets if you if you stop being so angry on the air." LOL. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get that at all. You're never angry on our show. Never. No, I got it. I got two different uh, personalities on the air. Um, this one's PG. The other one is out of control. Out of control. It's not even rated R. Just, uh, just straight out, out of control. control. Brian brings it out of me. He purposely disagrees with everything I say just so I'll lose my temper on the air. He thinks it's funny, and I still fall for it every time. Unfortunately, I'm working on that. Uh, unfortunately, he's <laughs> right. So we do. We have a lot going on today. I promised you guys last show we're going to talk about what the expectations for the Rams should be. We also had a trade go down that a lot of people were scratching their heads about. We weren't. We kind of get it, but we'll talk about that. And we also have Cam DeSilva from the Rams Wire coming on to visit as well. Uh, first things first, just to kind of get into the mode, of the, just want to say, and on Apple Music, please, and if you could, leave us a five-star review. We'd really appreciate that. Or anywhere you listen to podcasts, subscribe. For, for Apple Music, we're in a contest. We've been doing a contest for every day now, and we are seeking to get that wonderful 200 five-star reviews. Once we get there, a winner, a lucky winner, will receive a personalized Rams jersey from nflshop.com hopefully it's a rams jersey yeah they be kind of kind of annoying tommy if they did a contest with us and won the contest and go win you know go get a 49ers jersey that'd be annoying it would just be odd because why are you listening to our show (laughs) i mean mystery the mystery is mine mystery is yours i don't know but also what's one thing our sponsor jim hawk for all that he does he does done an amazing job with us and we'll talk more about his book which just got word like an hour ago. Seriously, an hour ago, that paperback is finally out. So I can start to talk about that that paperback again. All right, Tommy, you ready to go? I'm ready. You ready? Okay. So the first thing I want to get into here is this trade. Trade Central yesterday. We're thinking the Rams are going to make some moves, kind of fix a few more of the holes they got. They trade a keep to leave to Miami. For a seventh round pick, they also sent a fifth round pick to Miami. So, classic salary dump. A lot of folks upset, called a worthless trade. What were you thinking? And that goes down. Basically, Miami paid for a fifth round pick, um, which is fine. Teams buy picks all the time, and I don't think fans understand that GMs um, have done that over the years, and it's a head scratcher. For us fans that are on the outside that don't understand it, I understand it because I dive into that part of the industry because it's kind of fun for me to understand how that side of the business works. You know, watch football for, you know, 34 years. You can only learn so much in as far as the game is concerned. A year ago, I moved on to the financial side because it was interesting to me. So what they did yesterday wasn't surprising at all. They did the same thing with Robert Quinn to the Dolphins as well. So and what's it going to go to? It's gonna, if you're clearing cap space now, you're either A, going to go make a deal before the deadline to get somebody else you need, or you're going to wrap that money into a signing bonus for somebody, and they need to do it before the end of the league year. So we might not even know what happens with, with this money until February 29th. 
before the end of the new league year. It may be is, is next year twenty ninth, twenty nineteen. It is. I was right. It's a leap year. I was right. Oh, oh. Holy crap! I, I totally I'm gonna pat myself on the back. Seriously. So there's so there's twenty nine days in February this year. Yes. <laughs> oh wow! Look at you. Twenty twenty. Totally accidental. So there, there you go. So last minute we could see a new deal with Jalen Ramsey or somebody else who want to extend. We don't know. Numerous other pundits out there, including Benjamin Albright, mentioned the idea that it would be for Jalen Ramsey. Probably will be, quite frankly. But we'll see. I would think, given what Jalen Ramsey can do, and what we see him do basically on his two preseason games, I think it's a good move. you got to do what you got to do. Akeem Tlaib wasn't going to play again this year. If he does, it's week 15, week 16. How effective would he have been at that point? I don't know. You do what you no, do. you can't. You can't bring him back at the end of the season and plug him in and expect to get back to his form. Of well, let's be honest, his form was already gone. He he was struggling a lot this year. Maybe age is starting to show. Who knows? Um, but if you put him back in there at the end of the season and into the playoffs, he could be the sole reason why we, if we get to the playoffs, why we lose a game in the playoffs. It could happen. You know. Um, what we have right now is a complete shakeup in the secondary that we had at the beginning of the season. We have two new starting cornerbacks, um, and they're doing just fine at this point. Troy Hill is actually starting to pick up his game. Last year, he struggled a lot. This year, he's gotten better. And isn't that the goal for everybody? You know, I see people on Twitter calling Troy Hill trash. Yeah, last year, yeah, you could say that. But this year, he's shown a significant improvement. So, isn't that we what we look for every year in our players is to improve on an annual basis and get better and get more opportunities? If so, we're on the right track. But Tom, that's not even accurate because if you go back and even look at the numbers and look at his performances, he let's just be real. When Troy Hill is off, he's not just off; he's bad. He's bad off. But when he's on, he's very good. And so you see, an actually a pretty good PFF grade for the last couple of years for him, at least a decent one. That, that shows he's a quality football player. And people focus so bad because when his performances are off, he's, like I said, they're memorable because they're that bad. But when he's good, we don't tend to pick those things out as well because as a corner, if nobody is noticing you when you're playing corner, that's a good thing. It means you're covering your guy and no one's talking about you. And so the, even the idea that he was awful last year isn't true. These guys don't get credit for being professional sometimes. And sure enough, when he comes out there and he's playing all right, playing fine, and he's doing his job, the only reason we're talking about Troy Hill now is because Tlaib's gone. I, you and I wouldn't have talked about Troy Hill in this conversation today if Tlaib no, hadn't been traded. Well, no, we, well, we wouldn't have, but he was already the starter. Tlaib is out, so he took his job because of injury. So we have to talk about him. He's, he's a starter now for this year. Next year, will, be he, will he be the starting corner for the Rams? Uh, no. I doubt it. Um, someone else will be on the opposite side of Jalen Ramsey. Trust me. That's how I feel about it. I just, If I was to predict, it wouldn't be him. I'm not saying he's not good enough. I just say oh, I don't think it will be. If you want to compete in the NFC, I mean, look how many. Dude, we're the seventh seed right now. That's how deep this conference is. you got to, you know, all the trades they made in the last couple of weeks are a direct result of what we're up against. If we were in the AFC, just on cruise control, bro. But the NFC is is tough, man. It's tough. It's deep. But 
it's also flawed. There are very few elite teams in this conference. It's, and they'll say, well, what about San Francisco? Well, San Francisco, they, they're better. They're good. They're very good. But they had to go out and get a receiver because they were, as you said, one-dimensional. They weren't perfect. The Saints, they're good. But you know who beat them? The Rams did, and they beat they beat them handily. I mean, so yeah, but we beat them when uh, we beat them with Teddy Bridgewater coming off of the bench. Would we have beat them that bad or beat them at all if Teddy Bridgewater was in his fourth start? I don't know. It doesn't mean it doesn't matter now because I, well, no, it technically doesn't. In. It technically doesn't matter. But what I'm saying is, is if the game was later in the schedule and Teddy Bridgewater had four games under his belt. I don't know if we win that game. I really don't. Uh, well, we don't know, but we did. We beat him that game. And but the reality is, with with the Saints, is they still have flaws. Where part? What? Where the running game behind Kamara? Where's Kamara been all year? He's been getting hurt. So where's the running game behind him? Their passing game. They only have two solid receivers. That, that Are you being, kidding me? Are you kidding me with the running game? Latavius Murray's been killing it since he's been out, dude. I've been watching nah, people in my been, league on the fantasy smoking people because of Latavius. He's Murray. been completely. That whole running game's been inconsistent the entire time, and you know it has been. I'm not saying they they don't have a game that can't be that is horrible. I'm saying it's if you're going to go deep into a playoff run, that's not going to be it. You're going to you depend on Latavius Murray in the deep deep into the playoffs. Serious. He's a really good running back. I'm not saying he's not. I'm saying overall, if you're going to go with a flaw of the team, if there's somewhere they're weak or have been exposed, their star guy, Kamark, hasn't been staying healthy this year. And that's your guy, your receiver. So who's going to help you when Michael Thomas is covered? At receiver, oh, yeah. Receiver they're, they're, if I was going to go weakness, I would go receiver depth, not running back. That I mean, was, and that's, that's fine. Me. I'm I'm not saying that they're horrible with the running game. I'm saying I'm not as impressed with them as you are, obviously. But I'm not saying that that's awful either. I'm saying that they have flaws. I'm saying that teams, there's no NFC team right now that scares me. Unless the 49ers receiving game gets <laughs> gets out there. Then that, geez, that, that's a scary defense. Good running game. Receiving, get in there, you're good to go. That's, that's a scary team. Yeah, I say when we play them again... Full court press on stopping the run and try to force Jimmy G to beat us in that game. Just because that would be the next time we play the Niners is, is three days before Christmas, which is close to the playoffs, and there's a good chance we play the 49ers a third time this season in the playoffs. So if you're going to get ready for that third game, use the next game in San Francisco to formulate a game plan to possibly beat him in the playoffs. Make Jimmy G beat you, and if you can stop that running game and slow down uh, Kittle, dude, they don't have a chance because I just I don't see it. I don't with, see it. With Jimmy G right now? No, not with or, the passing game. I, see, I don't see their passing game being a threat whatsoever, especially against our secondary. Not a chance. They could take care of the running game and at least somewhat contain Kittle. They're pretty one-dimensional yeah they are so all right folks before we talk to candace so from rams wire we do want to give a shout out to our sponsor there my bookie here you go as a true football fan you already know just as sure as the seasons change tom brady will keep the patriots in the game 
Every weekend, our favorite Gridiron Warriors put their skills to the test, so why aren't you doing the same? We're almost halfway through the NFL season, so now is the time to get off the sidelines and get in the game with MyBookie. MyBookie is the premier place to bet on all your favorite pro and college football action every weekend. They always have the most up-to-date lines and the most prop bets of any sportsbook on the planet. So if you're going to be betting this season, do the smart thing and bet with MyBookie. If you're the kind of guy who likes to bet a little to win a lot, try Parlay. Pick your locks for the week, then put them together in one Parlay bet, and when they all come through, the rewards are huge. Best part is, if you join right now, MyBookie will double your first deposit. That's right. If you put in $1,000, they'll give you $1,000. That's double your initial deposit so you can use it on all your favorite picks. Use promo code MASSIVELATEFEE to activate the offer. That's promo code MASSIVELATEFEE, and you'll double your cash when you sign up. Visit MyBookie.ag today. MyBookie. You play. You win. You get paid. All right, folks. We are here with Cam DeSilva from, that's right, the Rams Wire, former Fox Sports writer. He is just, you know, we've been disclosing some secrets about Cam's life. But one thing we do know is that he covers the Rams daily. And we want to get you on the show kind of in a, you know, kind of a a half-season point here. And dig into your brain a little bit about what is going on with this team, where they're going, and where you think they'll be. If you were to evaluate the, where, this 5-3 and three Rams team, what would you say about them? Um, I don't think they're quite the team that they were last year, which um, obviously is not a good thing because the team last year made it to the Super Bowl. But um, it definitely has the potential to be a really, really good um, and scary team. The talent is all still there on offense. You have Goff and, and Cup and the receivers and um, and Gurley still. I mean, he's obviously not the player he was last season, but his opportunities are down. Um, he maybe doesn't look as explosive. and It's just the fact that he's not getting as many chances this year. But the talent is still there. Um, and then the defense, I honestly think, has improved over last season. I saw something today or yesterday. Um, how they're one of the best teams in um, DVOA on defense. And really, it's just been an improved unit, especially against the run. Um, and that's something that they really focused on this offseason, adding guys like Eric Weddle. Um, Sebastian Joseph Day is more of a, a true nose tackle than, than um, Dominican Sue. So you're seeing their moves kind of pay dividends. And then obviously with Ramsey, you can do a bunch of different things, especially with man coverage. So. Um, that's kind of where I'm at with this team. I think they have a ton of potential. They just have to put it all together on both sides of the ball. Yeah, let's talk about that secondary. You know, when they brought in Marcus Peters and Aqib Tlaib, we all knew Aqib Tlaib was, you know, a Wade Phillips guy, is good at man coverage. Um, they mm-hmm. traded for Marcus Peters, who's specifically a zone-style corner slash safety mentality. Always has his eyes in the backfield like a safety supposed mm-hmm. to. Mm-hmm. And when they got him, I'm sure they had the conversation with Wade saying, hey, can you make this work? And he was like, sure. And he adjusted the way he called defense when those two were on the field. Obviously, Aqib was, you know, get on the best guy and impress him and let Marcus get on the other side of the field and play zone on his area cover too. Um, but a lot of times... Um, when he was in those opportunities, he played great because that's what he does. But when when Aki went down and he had it was forced to play man, that's not his game, unfortunately, and he got exposed. Um, he's not a well-rounded corner, and if you you know try to stick stick him in the wrong spot, you're gonna see 
that go down. He's he's more built for like a traditional Tampa two defense that the Bucks mm-hmm. used to run. You know what I mean? And and if that's how they use him in Baltimore, he's he's a great player. You know, but now that we have Troy Hill and Jalen Ramsey, now Wade can coach the way he likes to man press, right? Or two trail. Two trail is a hybrid cover too that I like to run when I played, where you have the option to communicate with your safeties and corners to hand hand them off a little bit later in the route. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's multiple things you could do, but. When you can play man and have corners that can play man, including um, Roby Coleman in, in the nickel, you can definitely uh, do what you want to do. And I think that's where we're seeing the improvement. Do you agree? Yeah, yep, absolutely. I think you hit it right on the head there. Um, now, with you, you kind of see the, the confidence that the Rams do have in Troy Hill as a man corner, um, pairing him with Jalen Ramsey on the other side. And what you're going to get is kind of what we saw on Sunday against the Bengals, where teams are probably going to stay away from Ramsey's side a little bit. Um, I, I would assume they're going to put him on the number one receiver more often than not um, down the stretch this season. Uh, I don't know about Juju because he plays in the slot a, a lot, but um, probably with Amari Cooper, you're going to try to eliminate that number one receiver, and then the the quarterback's probably going to pick on the number two receiver, and, uh, and the cornerback is going to be Troy Hill. Um, so I think the Rams have showed a lot of confidence in Hill. Um, Nikel Roby Coleman kind of had a shaky performance against Tyler Boyd on, on Sunday, but he's, he's obviously a very good corner. And, um, I think as the chemistry kind of grows with these guys and, and Jalen talked about it after the, the Falcons game where he's going to get more comfort with Eric Weddle, who is such a good communicator and, and such a good leader in the secondary. Uh, I think it's really only going to improve as time goes on. And this secondary, as scary as it was with, uh, with Peters and Tlaib, I think just having that um, shutdown corner with Jalen Ramsey on one side really just changes the complexion of the defense a lot. And we saw it against the Falcons, a lot of blitzing, a lot of man coverage, and it, and it really worked. So um, I think you're going to see a more aggressive defense going forward just because they do have Ramsey and Hill is playing so well on the other side. Yeah, they gotta move they gotta move Ramsey around. I agree with you just said because you made a good point. Tyler Boyd and Roby were going at it all game. Tyler Boyd was the best receiver on the field that day, but mm-hmm. the best corner wasn't covering him. Also, he's twice his size. That didn't help either. Yeah. If they would if they would have had Ramsey follow Boyd around, they wouldn't have done anything, to be honest right. with you. So I think he needs to trail the best receiver. I don't care if he lines up in the slot. It doesn't make a difference to me, in my opinion. Put your best guy against the best guy, no matter if he's in motion, slot, on Z or X, I don't care. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think um, you're going to see that in the coming weeks with um, guys like Allen Robinson. I think the, the Rams will probably use um, Ramsey on him, Amari Cooper, um, Tyler Lockett, I don't know when they play the, the Seahawks again later this season, but um, really you're getting Ramsey to kind of try to eliminate that top receiving threat. And he did that. And he, he didn't eliminate Julio Jones, let's be honest. He did give up some plays, but that was off of three weeks of not playing and um, in his after two days of practice. So, um, And that's against Julio Jones. Um, but I, I really think that Ramsey's best asset is just – going on a number one receiver and following him around in man coverage. Um, when Ramsey is physical enough to play in the slot, when, when you do get a run play um, out of that look and uh, really he can just do, he can do everything you want in a cornerback. Um, and it's something that the Rams have to take advantage of. And I think they will. 
when you look at the Rams overall with the moves they've made, what's holding them back? We talk about the offensive line. You said they had potential to be a really, really special team. They aren't the same team they were last year. Is it just offensive line that they're really missing right now? Is it there's I don't know, I, I was I'm asking this question because on our last show, the thing I pointed out that I can't quite put a direct finger on is that there's just something different about this team. Like last year's team, you you knew where they were going. You had a clear vision of what kind of team this was. And this year, there's just something missing. Yeah. So what's yeah. missing? What's off about this team that needs to change or can change? Yeah, I, I think you did. Uh, you do have a good point because last year, as bad as the defense was at times, you always knew the offense was at least going to keep the team in the game and, and put up at least 30 points to give them a chance. And for whatever reason, it just doesn't feel that way this season. Um, I think the offensive line is a huge, huge part of that. And I think Jared Goff has played a role in that, too. Um, he leads pro football reference has this new advanced stat called um, called bad throws. And he leads the league in that by 11, 11 throws um, over Andy Dalton. So um, he has made some questionable decisions, even against the Bengals late in the game when, I mean, you're trying to put the game away and he's making these careless decisions, um, throwing it into tr- quadruple coverage. There was one pass to Cooper Cup over the middle, which was honestly one of the worst decisions I've ever seen a quarterback make. Um, but his decision-making just hasn't been that great this season. Um, and it's partly because of the offensive line. His, his, um, his motor is sped up and his, uh, his processing as a quarterback is kind of sped up because he's not getting as much time. The offense is so predicated on this play action pass and, and this deception before the snap. And you're not able to do that when you're, when your blockers are not sustaining their blocks and, and keeping defenders off of the quarterback. Um, it's not that Jared Goff has happy feet in the pocket or anything. He just, he's not processing things the way that he was last season with the comfort of knowing that he's going to get three, three seconds of of protection and be able to survey the field and go from his first to his second to his third read. Now it kind of seems like he's just, uh, he's sped up a little bit and it's, it's really hurting the offense. Yeah, I mean, switching the interior linemen and Austin Blythe's play completely shifting from one season to the next, which is, I mean, nobody can explain it because you're the same guy you were last year. What What's going on with you? You see, I stare at him all game long because I know him and Brian are struggling. I didn't have to worry once Snowbloom went down, and that was unfortunate because he was one of the stronger points um, early on in the season that really made me nervous. But when Edwards came in, he really has done a, a really good job. And I think now that we're during the bye week, if it was me, I'd give Austin Corbett an opportunity to start at right guard against the Steelers. Uh, he came from the Browns. He knows the Steelers. He can be a big asset um, on the field, especially knowledge of their defense and understanding how they play ball. Right. Um, I mm-hmm. think it's time to make a move. It, we made a, a bunch of moves a few weeks ago as far as roster shifts to show that the front office is with us and they want to win, and, and we love that. Now put the guys in there that you traded for and give them an opportunity because let's be honest, it can't get any worse at right guard than it is right now. 
Yep, yep. I wrote I wrote something pretty much on that today. Um, just saying how I wrote it more about Brian Allen and Austin Corbett than um, Corbett taking over for Blythe. But both Allen and Blythe have been terrible this season. Um, the same goes for Rob Havens. Not that he's been terrible, but he's the same player as he was last year. So why is there this huge regression in his play? And he's playing next to the same guy Blythe as he was last season. Um, Havenstein made the Rams look really, really smart for giving him an extension last year, but he's just really struggled this season. And I know he's faced some of the best pass rushers in the league, like um, he, he um, Miles Garrett, and he had Shaq Barrett all over him, and Cam Jordan, and um, all these pass rushers. But he needs to play better. Um, but I'm I'm a hundred percent with you. I think they need to make a change up front, whether it's at center or guard. Um, Corbett can play both positions. Uh, Brian Allen is really just playing poorly right now, and um, he's, I think, pro football focus had him as um, the third highest pressure rate allowed in the NFL among centers. So you got to do something um, to, to switch things up, and now that you are in a bye, you can kind of look at these things and evaluate the team. And um, it's not like they went out and got Trent Williams where um, they're showing that they need to make a huge change on on the left side or at left guard with, with, uh, with David Edwards. Um, but you did get Corbett and you know that he can, he has the potential to start as a former second round pick. So, um, at some point you got to kind of give him a chance if things keep going sideways the way they have been. Yeah. You can't just keep saying, let's get it. Let's fix it. We've heard that a million times. You actually have to show us that you're making an effort to fix it. And if the player is not making the effort to fix it, which he is not, then he needs to sit on the bench and learn his lesson. What people don't realize, too, is there. if you see a player kick butt last year, let's talk about the right side of the line, and then all of a sudden their play regresses. Don't you think it's possible that it's psychological? I mean, they're human beings just like us. What if they have some things going on at home in their personal lives that are affecting their their play at work? You know, mm-hmm. we've all been there, right? Like I've been sick since October 16th, so it off and on, cold, chest cold. I'm still sick. I'm having trouble doing my job because I don't feel well. You know, or what if they're having you know personal problems with their marriage or their who knows. The fact of the matter is, there, something isn't right with them, mm-hmm. and, and and it's unfortunate because we've all seen what they're capable of. Yeah, the the thing I will add with with um, Blythe and Havenstein is they're not players who are like Andrew Whitworth, where they've done it for a decade and then suddenly fall off. They're guys who had one or a good season last year. Really, Havenstein was good in twenty seventeen too, but um, they're not. They haven't really earned that. Um, not the reputation, but um, it, it's it's reasonable to expect a regression at some point with these guys because they're not proven ten year veterans where they they're perennial Pro Bowlers. But I completely agree with what you said. Um, Vinny Bonsignor of the Athletic um, tweeted, uh, I think a week or two ago, about how Austin Blythe had that knee injury and um, he's he's playing through pain, which is something that fans don't necessarily notice, but. He's pretty adamant that there's something going on with Blythe. So maybe with this two weeks of rest, um, he gets back to his normal play and really just elevates uh, how he's playing after the bye. But like you said, there, there might be stuff that, that fans and, uh, and media don't know about. I didn't want to ask about this, too. With the trouble they've had with Brian Allen, and John Nopeboom had his struggles, but he seemed to have been figuring it out when he went down. We've generally given Les Snead in the front office a lot of credit over the course of the last couple of years as being ahead of the game, 
as being one of the best front offices in the league in terms of talent evaluation and development. Is it fair at this point to start questioning some of those decisions, especially in the case of a Brian Allen? Yeah, yep, absolutely. Um, I think the offensive line is definitely a chance that the front office took um, by relying on Joe Noteboom and relying on Brian Allen, who were just um, mid-round picks. It's not like they were surefire starters coming into the NFL. Brian Allen was, uh, I mean, both players really were kind of surprise selections when they were picked by the Rams. Um, really just un- kind of overlooked prospects that no one was really expecting to uh, maybe go as early as they did, at least in, in my opinion. I didn't I didn't have them on my radar in, in the third and fourth rounds. Um, but the front office didn't really take a, a proactive approach with um, bringing in some some more competition for them or um, spending any any early draft picks um, last year with um, trading back and getting Taylor Rapp and, and instead of staying put and maybe taking someone in the first round. Taylor Rapp was kind of, uh, he almost looked like a luxury pick because they did have Weddle and, and John Johnson, but um, I love the pick. I, I love where they they got him in the second round but um this offensive line has just been a huge concern where you can put some blame on the front office for maybe not being more aggressive in addressing it after losing saffold and uh, imparting ways with sullivan when you're a gm you already have a lot of good players that on your roster that you don't want to lose and you want to prepare for extensions sometimes position groups on teams get pushed financially to the back of the line and you you make gambling risks with those Mm -hmm. It looks like Les and the guys decided to take that risk with the offensive line and trusting Cromer, saying he can get these guys ready and mm-hmm. whatnot, which is fine. That's just we all you all have to make a decision on where you're going to put your focus. And when you have this many good wide receivers and running backs and and defensive linemen and corners and safeties, where where's the money going to go? Right, you got someone's yep. going to have to take a hit. So they they chose to to take the hit on the offensive line, which you know bit them in the butt, so to speak, and. Uh, look at look at the Cowboys for years did the same thing and then all of a sudden like years in a row boom offensive lineman first round first round first round first round and before you know it within a few years the Cowboys have the best offensive line in the league right mm-hmm. yep. Jerry Jones realized I better start drafting offensive linemen or my team's never going to be good especially if I want to get you know keep Tony Romo healthy and then moving on to Dak Prescott, Dak Prescott um, he realized okay now I'm going to put my focus into my offensive line, and it's definitely paid dividends. Um, but it's a gamble and a risk that you have to take, and it kind of bit, bit us a little bit, and it is what it is, right? Yeah, I think that's kind of something that you have to worry about a little bit with the entire roster now, the way that the Rams have constructed it. Um, with with um, Ramsey and Cooks and Donald and Gurley and Goff, and the list goes on of, of these guys who are um, – being paid as the top players at their positions, not Ramsey yet, but he's inevitably going to be. Um, you're going to have a top-heavy roster where you're going to have to take chances on um, mid to late round picks being starters, and it worked out with um, Corey Littleton. Um, but you can't always bank on players like that coming through and being quality starters. And we're kind of seeing that with No Boom and Allen, where the offensive line is going to be in really, really bad shape if they don't get things together because. Um, you have Edwards, who you hope pans out. You have Bobby Evans, who you hope pans out. Blythe is going to be a free agent. Havenstein is going to stay there. Whitworth, I would imagine, is going to either retire or just join another team after the season because the contract's up. But um, the offensive line is looking really shaky right now, and it's not necessarily 
um, in any better shape that it, than it is. It's not going to be in any better shape next season than it already is right now because you do have free agents and you do have guys who um, you're banking on to, to play at a high level that may not. Do you think the Rams will be able to properly keep this team competitive in the long term when they are going to be so top-heavy and they're trading with draft picks and that leaves a lot of underneath in the roster that I've seen quite a few fans at least show concern about it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's definitely a concern um, because you're going to be relying on your personnel department and your front office to be able to evaluate these uh, these prospects and find value in the third, fourth, fifth round when, A, you're paying all these guys top dollar, and B, you're trading away your first-round picks. Um, I, I like the aggressive mentality for the Rams, but um, with adding all these players, these big-name players like Cooks and Ramsey, um, you have to. You either have to pay them, or you have to to um, eat the cost of the draft picks that you traded away to get them, which is never a good idea. And we saw that with uh, with Sammy Watkins to a lesser extent. Um, but it, with all these guys that they are bringing in, and um, they're they're adding them towards the end of their contracts, like Peters, like Ramsey, and like Cooks, where you do have to pay them, and, and it's going to hurt the rest of the roster. Um, but it's going to come down to finding players like Corey Littleton and um, Cooper Cups in the middle rounds and and players like that to step in and, and really um, play well as starters. Yeah, you just have to draft guys. You know, look at look at the way the Patriots have done it for years. They draft guys in the middle mm-hmm. rounds. They don't really value first round picks either. And when they do pick first rounders, they don't really do a good job. Yep. A lot of times they miss, especially on wide receivers. They're ter- Bill Belichick is terrible at drafting wide receivers. He'll admit it to you. That's yep. why he gets them in free agency or trades for them like he did with Sanu, right? Yep. Yep. It's just you exactly. gotta you gotta you gotta focus on those middle rounds. I'm not a huge um guy, a first round guy either. I mean, if you go back and look at the last ten years of first round picks, all thirty two of them in each one, the percentage of busts in those thirty two players is extremely high. There's a few gems in each draft, but mm-hmm. most of them are out of the league or backups or just average at best. Um, so I don't value the first round picks as much. Like I said on Twitter when we traded for Ramsey, I said, guys, we basically just drafted the best corner in the NFL in 2020 and 2021. Would you rather have those picks back and draft two guys that could possibly never do anything in the league? Or do you want to take the sure thing? And a lot of people, when I, when I worded it that way, agreed with me. Sometimes you just have to lay it out for people to play it out. You know, people get really emotional before they think things through. And sometimes you just got to dial it back and look at the big picture. I would rather have a guy who's the best corner in the league than those two picks. And that's just yep. how I feel about it, you know. Let me move on to, we're talking about later round picks and hitting. And there's two guys that I've been big fans of that we've drafted that haven't got a lot of opportunities, but when they do, they do fairly well. And that's Oboe so far and Josh Reynolds, who I've loved since we drafted him. He just got drafted to a team with a lot of wide receivers, and that's not his fault, Mm -hmm. right? Opportunities only come when you get them, and him not being on the field enough messes with the, the timing of the throws with Jared Goff, and that's why their timing is off a lot. But when it's on... And Josh Reynolds is running wide open a lot because no one's really paying attention to him. And that's what blew me away when they threw 
when he threw it to Cup in that triple coverage, I was like, are you serious? And I went back and looked, and Josh was open. So was Gerald Everett. I'm like, you got to be kidding me, bro. And I and I understand that he's getting killed back there, and that's fine. But, you know, pay attention to the guy sometimes that nobody's paying attention to. Maybe shift your, your reads when guys like that are out there and make those guys your first and second reads sometimes because you already know your normal first and second reads which are mostly coop and woods right Mm -hmm. um they're always going to focus on those guys so maybe shift your focus a little bit sometimes to throw the defense off and and you can you can play patty cake with them right you can play hot potato then they start focusing on those guys and you can go back to the other ones you can always shift shift it around you don't always have to be predictable you agree Yep. Yep. I, I liked what the Rams did um, against the Falcons with Gerald Everett kind of in that mold where they kept going back to him and, and golf just overthrew him a few times, just barely. But if they connect on those, I mean, Everett's got a 150 yard game with two touchdowns. Um, but I do like the, the Rams have the talent to spread the ball around, which is what makes them so intriguing as a team and as an offense. Um leading up to the trade deadline, a lot of people were saying trade Cooks and just lean on Reynolds. And that was even before um, Cooks had this concussion. And really, I would be worried about his future in the NFL as a just as a person from all these concussions that he's taking. Um, but having Reynolds is really just a luxury for them because I, I think he had two catches before Sunday. Um, and he's a, he's a good receiver, and we saw that last season. Um, I thought maybe the, the Rams would consider flipping him for a pick, but um, with the injury history of Cooks and, and Cup, you never really know. And it's important to have the depth because you don't want Mike Thomas being your, your um, starting third receiver if something does happen. Um, but I, I do like um, Reynolds as a player in, in Obo. Um, he's really flashed in the last couple of weeks and he's getting opportunities, but I worry that they're kind of going to go by the wayside when Clay Matthews does return and, even though Matthews does lead the team with six sacks, I, I think kind of some of those are um, really just either coverage sacks or, or him benefiting from three linemen blocking Aaron Donald and him just running free on a stunt. Exactly. Um, yeah. So, so I think that that stat is kind of misleading. And I think Okoronko has had more productive pass rushes than Matthews even did. And I, I think he should continue to get opportunities even ahead of um, Samson Abukam. Um, yep. I, I, I just like what I've seen from Oboe in the past couple weeks. Me too. We've kept you a long time, so just one more question for it kind of feeds into what Tommy and I were going to talk about, and that is overall, given where the Rams are, where they've been, what should fans be expecting out of this franchise from this point forward? What should they be looking to in terms of what they produce? The rest of the season or, or even beyond that? This season and beyond. This season, I, I think they're going to have a good second half of the season. Um, I, I think this buy is going to do them a lot of good. Um, I, I don't know about John Johnson coming back. I would love for him to come back and really help down the stretch. But um, the way this roster is constructed, they do have the potential to to make a deep playoff run. As long as the offensive line gets gets its act together and Jared Goff really gets back to the way that he was playing in the first half of last season. Um, it's one of the most talented rosters in the league. And you just don't have many teams with superstars like Aaron Donald, Todd Gurley, um, Jared Goff, Jalen Ramsey, all on the same roster. And, and um, when you do have players like that, your Super Bowl window is going to shrink a little bit because of the salary cap. But um, I think this is a franchise that's built for success in the long haul. And um, it's just about 
finding these players in the middle rounds to to really just come in as starters and complement the other superstars that are on the roster. Um, that's what it's going to come down to for Les Snead and, and Sean McVay coaching. And um, I think they are going to have success in the coming years, especially with the core of the, the roster the way that it is. All right, man. Thanks so much for taking the time with us today. One question we do have for you is pretty simple. Can you tell people where to find you and your work? Yep. Um, all my work is on the ramswire.usatoday.com. And then you can follow me on Twitter at Cam Silva. All right, Cam. Thanks. As always, a good interview, good time with you. And hopefully we won't be out there poking fun at your other team anytime <laughs> soon. <laughs> thanks, Derek. I appreciate it. Tommy, good talking to you, man. You too, bud. All right, that was Cam's always good to have on, man. I enjoy having him on the show. Uh, we, we, I did, I do remember now sitting down listening to an interview you had with him and, and talking about how I became a fan. I mean, we don't talk about that a lot over the course of an entire year because we're so focused on where's the team going here, where are they doing here, where are they doing here. And I'm not even sure, Tommy, I've asked you about how you became a fan. Have I? I am one of the few sports fans that grew up in one city lived in one city my whole life and rooted for those teams that were in this city when i started watching sports when i was a kid so rams lakers dodgers kings geographical sports fan my great-grandmother would not have it any other way it was just the way i was raised you don't root for teams outside of your market and i was very stubborn over years giving people a hard time especially when i first got on twitter like how could you be a fan of this team when you grew up here and you had a team in your market you're a fraudulent fan i used to hammer people about that but becoming a part of ram's twitter over the years and meeting everyone and i've dialed it back quite a bit because we're for one we're all on the same team and i you know i don't want to give other rams fam a hard time about how they became fans or or whatnot. There's fans that grew up in New Jersey down the street from the Jets Giants Stadium and are Rams fans. I think I first I thought that was insane, you know, but then I started to just ask people instead of give people a hard time and, and ask them, how did you become a Rams fan? And their stories are very similar. Um, a relative, uh, a father, an uncle got them into that team. They were a fan of that team. And the NFL blackout rule did the same thing in LA that it did in other cities. You guys would tell me that they would watch Eric Dickerson on television playing in Los Angeles because that was the game that was being played because that was the game. Most people across the country wanted to watch and the blackout rule. Um, if the, t- in the if the stadiums in their area were not showing their teams, you know, they're going to watch whatever's on TV and it kind of steamrolled that way. And I've watched the country, uh, evolve as far as sports fandom is concerned because of the NFL blackout rule, which is now gone. Thank goodness. If you live in Los Angeles within a four hour radius of where the team plays, you are forced to watch the Rams or the chargers or buy NFL Sunday ticket. That's the way it always should have been. And we probably wouldn't have the sports fandom the way it is, but the NFL dictated that and it is what it is, but no, I'm just old fashioned. Los Angeles teams and when the Rams moved to St. Louis we didn't have a team and I wasn't changing teams I was 16 I was too emotional to get angry that they were leaving guys that were older than me in their 20s and 30s quit watching them until they came back to LA and I know a lot of those guys I don't agree with them but maybe if I was 25 or 30 maybe I would have did the same thing so I can't really give them a hard time either point is is I've definitely changed my stance on um, sports fandom in general and try to be more understanding 
I think for me, I've I've uh, I haven't been a military brat basically who started loving sports right when we were in California. I've kept those teams. I come to realize that everybody has their story. Everybody has their story. And as long as you, to me, as long as you're not telling the story, well, I was a Giants fan until they started sucking. Then I picked up the Rams because it was a great show on turf and they were awesome. But then, you know, the Patriots got really good in the mid-2000s and everything. They're a lot of fun to watch. And then Giants being, so I'm back to being a Giants fan. And those kind of fans aren't, aren't the fans I want. I would not I just wouldn't want to talk with those guys. I'll, I'll, cr- I'll, I'll, I'll crush those guys all day. I crush them in person. Listen, I grew up in the biggest bandwagon city in the country, Los Angeles, and I'm not afraid to say it. I, I live in a neighborhood where it's 99.9% Hispanic, and, and SoCal is, is predominantly Hispanic anyway, and my wife is Hispanic, and she'll tell you, she'll come on here and tell you that her that Hispanic people are bandwagon, and she's right because I'll see Patriots fans all over Southern California, and they're all born and raised here, never even been to Boston. So they'll just they'll just jump on the bandwagon. That's what they do. They'll change jerseys with the teams that win. That's just how they are, dude. And, and there's no loyalty. It's kind of sad with their soccer teams. Oh man, they'll fight to the death. But NFL bandwagon all day. That reminds me of that video remember from last year, week one, against the Raiders. The Rams won that game, and that guy had a Raiders jersey on, switched out mid-game or late-game, whatever, and put a Rams jersey on. Remember that? Well, that was a joke. That guy was a Rams fan, and he <laughs> did it as a dig to the Raiders fans, Now it's funny. Now, I will say this. The Hispanic fans that grew up in Los Angeles that are loyal to the Raiders and the Rams – they get a pass because they stick with their teams, win, lose, or draw, especially the Raider fans. I have a lot of respect for them um, and, and the Ram fans, too, because we have something in common. The Rams and Raiders went a decade plus being horrible, and yet we all stuck by those two teams. So I have, you know, I don't hate the Raiders and I don't hate their fans. I, I, I have a common interest with them as far as you know loyalty and sticking with your team and not changing teams so i will say the the hispanic community sticking by the rams and raiders all these years respect when i see the 49ers in my neighborhood there's 49ers stickers and flags all over it makes me sick it's unreal these people have never even lived in northern california and and they have two teams right here that they can now be a fan of my brother-in-law was a 49er fan and i me and his ex-fiance turned him into a ram fan we gave him a hard time you've never lived in san francisco you were you're born and raised la you're a lakers dodgers kings how could you be a niner fan now you have a team he's like well i didn't have a team growing up and he technically didn't because he's younger so we hammered him enough and and now he's a Rams fan, and he roots holistically for his city, and he realized the error of his ways, and I respect that. The error of his ways. How about that? Like The error of his ways. All right, folks. Well, if you've realized an error of your way, then that means you have not read Jim Hawk's Hollywood scene, Grit Glamour in the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. Did I pull that off or not? Or was it an epic fail for the segue? All right, I got it. Folks. Check out the book. It tells the story of the 1950s Rams. The ones of Jim's dad, John, who was offensive lineman for the team from 1953 to 1957. Check out some stories of his father and team he played for an era. Glitz, glamour, and future Hall of Famers. We're talking about guys like Norman Brocklin, Elroy, Cresley's Hurst, Tom Fears, and Les Richter. It's all in the stories between the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. You can find Hawk's book online at hallowsteam.com and on Twitter at hallowsteam. It's available both on hardback and electronic form, and now in paperback, if you like those paperbacks, check it out, folks. All proceeds, 100% of proceeds go to 
Homeboy Industries, which I've told you about before, it's an organization that's built on pulling people out of the gang life and making them into productive members of society. It's a great, great opportunity to help and learn some Rams history at the same time. Check it out. Holocene, Grit Glamour, and the 1950s Los Angeles Rams by Jim Hawk. It's worth the time. Trust me, it is. All right, so the final thing today we want to talk about is expectations, Tommy. Where do you go now with this team this season and the future, especially when looking at where they've been, what they're doing, and where they're going? Well, I don't want to look too far down the road because, I don't know, I, fan, I think fans do that too much. And when, they, when you're always looking over the fence, you're missing what's going on right in front of you, which is a franchise that was bad for a really, really long time and is now competitive again, just came off a Super Bowl loss. And I'd rather, you know, lose a Super Bowl than not even be in the conversation. So just the fact that we're competitive again is is fun to watch. So I'd like to, you know, say to everybody, enjoy the ride, you know, for once in your life, just enjoy the ride because it could come to an end. We hope it doesn't. We don't want, you know, the greatest show on turf part two, where it only lasts for, you know, three to four seasons and then the wheels fall off and, and whatnot. We hope that we can have sustain sustainable success like franchises over the years. The Patriots, obviously, in the last two decades, the Steelers um, have always been fairly competitive. We want to, you want to be that type of team, a team that never wins less than eight games, right? Always in the conversation. That's what we're looking for. We want to win the Super Bowl every year, just like every fan does, but we got to be realistic here. Um, the schedule. For the Rams looks favorable coming up. The schedule for the 49ers and the Seahawks do not. They have some gauntlets coming up, which can really help us gain some ground if we stay on track and continue our winning ways. So the second half of the season is looking really good for the team, and everybody should have their hopes up. Looking at the rest of the season, though, it goes back to what I was saying on Sunday, and that is there's still something off about them, even something about how they play the game in London now having some time to digest that game and understanding you you got guys who are just tired of being away from home, man. And that London trip is tough for anybody. It's a little more understandable to see, okay, you got 24-10. Can't mention the decision-making, though, from, from Jared Goff. That, that's something that hasn't changed regardless of where they've been. His decision-making this year has not been the same. And those are in times when he's been protected, even. So I have concerns really about the offensive line and – Jared Goff being able to to be what they should be in order to be successful, to do what you're talking about in terms of performing well, gain those W's during a part of the schedule that's it's not easy, but it's manageable. I mean, the Seahawks and the, and the 49ers, their schedules aren't easy coming up. They're much more than just manageable. They are gauntlets, as, as we've seen. And so that's what I want to, to try and figure out in terms of expectations. Where should we be with this team? And I guess... When you're looking at a football team in the scope of a 20-game season, I'm talking about four preseason games, 16 regular season games, and then I'm not having any top playoffs yet, you should see a progression, right? You don't want to peak too early. You don't want to even peak in the middle. You want to be getting better throughout the entire year and hitting your stride just as you enter the playoffs. And do you believe this team is a team, given the fact that there are certain areas that haven't quite improved the way you would hope they would. Can they overcome that? 
Well, uh, that's yet to be seen. I'm, I'm not going to predict it. I hope they can. Um, if they make some changes um, during this bye week, like I said, if they swap out the right guard, um, they're showing me that they are making the effort. So let's see if they pull that off. If they pull the right guard and swap it out for the next game against the Steelers, I'll be happy. Let's just one position battle at a time. Fair enough? Fair enough. All right, as for long-term expectations, I expect a contender every year. And yeah. I think it's fair for any team, any fan base, to expect a contender every year. We didn't we didn't expect it by default when they were horrible. You weren't going to expect that. But now you do. And from this point forward, you should. That's the whole point of, of having an NFL team somewhere and that being the team that you are following, you should be able to expect them to be a contender every year. And so when, when uh, our guys praise them, we praise them because they deserve it. When they criticize, they criticize because they deserve it. That's just... I got things how it, how it should be. Yeah. All right. So with all that in mind, Tommy here is tired. He needs a nap and probably so do I. So it's time to go. If you'd like to sponsor us, reach out to us at ramstop1945gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at 657-666-5453. We have me get ready to get out to you. Also, don't forget we're part of the Big Heads Podcast Network. Check out a promo from one of our partners. They got some good stuff. I'm Michael, the host of the semi-monthly podcast in a city like yours. Join me as I chat with interesting people with interesting life stories. You can listen to the podcast on all major podcast platforms, including Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. You can follow us on Twitter at IACLYS Podcast, as well as on Facebook and Instagram at In a City Like Yours Podcast. Please feel free to let me know what you think. And keep coming back for the many interesting stories in a city like yours. All right, and don't forget to follow us on Twitter at TalkRams, on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Rams Talk, or join the Rams Talk room. We've got a group in there that's always posting stuff in there. You can find me on Twitter at DC Paul. You can find Tommy at Ram Tommy in LA, mentoring some young guys, making them better men. Don't forget us on Apple Music, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, all those places. Subscribe. Leave a review, as you talked about earlier. Really appreciate it. So, for the entire staff, including Tommy, who's gone quiet now, this is Derek C. Paul saying, take it easy. We're out of here. Have a great one. Let's make Vision Zero a reality in D.C., Almost half of DC's traffic fatalities come from impaired driving. These deaths are 100% preventable. Don't let impaired driving ruin your holiday. Always have a plan for a sober ride. Never drive impaired. DC police are arresting drunk and drugged drivers. Drive sober or get pulled over. A message from the District Department of Transportation and Metropolitan Police Department.